0: fire up for pro football that's what we call a sack lunch nom, 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 nom. this is football sunday with mike and rashad wouldn't kill you we play some competitive sports once in a while would it oh would that make you love me football sunday with mike and rashad on 1080 the fan
1: Hour two or two right here football sunday on the fan um it's been a big weekend for college football. Uh, lots has had a lot of you know a lot of change has taken place. Uh, one more locally, uh, or at least used to be local, um, Gary Anderson, no longer the coach. Or not Gary Anderson. What's the what's the Mike Riley? We talked about Gary Anderson earlier. Corey Hall. Mike Riley. Oh my God. No okay, longer listen. the coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Um, I think we kind of all saw it coming. Uh, didn't have a great season. Uh, didn't have a great couple of seasons. Um, you know, the only thing he really did, you know, I think he beat the Ducks, was it last season? Was it, was that last year?
2: Yeah, yeah they beat the Ducks last year. You
1: know, so did that for the homies in, in Corvallis, you know, but outside of that, it was a pretty nah, run at Nebraska for Mike Riley. And Mike Riley, he was just, he's just, he's just an older gentleman, um, I don't know if he really had the the fire and pizzazz to be able to to wow a lot of these um, younger kids. But then we look um, look around the Pac-12, and I'm good with it because I never liked him, but Jim Moore Jr. out as the head coach of UCLA. Um, we've been waiting. Like Jim Moore Jr., I'll, I'll be real, He's not. A, he doesn't seem like a good dude. He seems like kind of an a-hole. Um, and every interview is always kind of surly. He clearly hates the media, which I think most people kind of do. So that's not super, super surprising. But he's just always been kind of a jerk. And on top of that, you haven't been good enough to be a jerk. It'd be one thing if you were, uh, if you had a, you know, an Urban Meyer type of resume to where everywhere you've gone, you've just won. But the truth is, that's not the way things work for you. So what did UCLA do? They went out and find somebody that has one everywhere he's been, and they went out and hired Charles Kelly. You may know him here in Oregon as Chip, former Oregon Ducks head coach, uh, former for the Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco 49ers head coach. Charles Kelly is now the head ball coach at the, the University of California, Los Angeles. That's how it, it's UCLA, right? Yeah. Okay. So when I heard that initially I was kind of like oh that's cool you know we knew Chip was coming back to college um it shocked me a little bit that he chose UCLA but then I thought about it and he's gonna be in a Pac-12 that he knows really really well a Pac-12 that he dominated um a Pac-12 that he recruited really well um as far as students from California so now he's got all the resources he needs, being at that school, which is a, a phenomenal school in UCLA. Like, you get a degree from there, you're set for life. There are certain degrees, and I tell—I work with students, mostly high school students—and uh, there are certain things I say, like, "Man, you get a degree from USC or UCLA, Stanford. There's certain degrees, man, translate everywhere. You know, they're always going to know where that university is, and." That's a draw for it in itself but then you start winning some football games and you haven't really been a football powerhouse since what the 70s maybe the you know maybe the 80s somewhere around there so now you have a real opportunity to put your stamp on things and and turn things around much the way you did um, as the head coach of the Oregon Ducks I'm personally I'm looking forward to this. Um, for a couple reasons. One, I think everybody's really nervous about Chip Kelly coming back to the Pac-Twelve, uh, particularly Duck fans, like, oh, what's, he's gonna come back? He should have came back to Oregon. Well, no, he shouldn't have. Um, uh, number one, he's not gonna reinvent the spread offense. Like it's already it's already happened. Now he could add a wrinkle or two to it, you know, throwing some nuances in, in between there, but he invented something really rare and um something that was really kind of hard to mimic in in this this spread no-huddle type of offense that started right around 2007 or 2008. But now everybody does it. It's not uncommon to see uh, even Stanford at points go to a, a, a spread type of offense. They don't do it as often, but they will do it. And now you're looking around the country at some of the teams that have really had a lot of success. Johnny Manziel was able to win a Heisman based off of his work in a spread offense. Lamar, Lamar Jackson is doing great things at Louisville based on, on a spread offense. You know, so uh, even uh, Deshaun Watson, who, you know, played in two national championships and won one of them, uh, really flourished playing some spread. And so now, how is Chip Kelly, what is he going to do to really, to change the culture and, and at UCLA? And I think just him being there
2: is is a great start. Well, I think that's, when you and I were talking about Charles earlier and, Um, what i think the number one thing that kind of held him back in the pros and probably um, was his desire to change that culture so much to make things so much his way he was such a dictator at the nfl level and you know that works in college and um, i'm not saying it can't work at the nfl level i think it's just that uh, a lot of players didn't think he earned the right to be the dictator. He had he to earn was some strikes level. first. So he's going to come back, and I, I think it's very much going to be a – you saw when he took over the program from Mike Belotti, well, he instantly changed the culture. Not, not to say – that he took away everything that it was under Mike Bellotti but he understood as a coach and this is something i think many coaches fail to recognize is that you need to instill your culture within um uh, within your program and a program like UCLA who has had a i mean some history of success and being a good program but also has a history of not being committed to that program doesn't have a great culture like let's no. say a USC that's committed to their program, and they have a great football culture down there. A guy like Chip is going to go down there and do what Jim couldn't, and he is going to create a winning culture down there. Now, whether he starts winning South Divisional South titles or whatnot, I don't know. But that you should expect the UCLA Bruins to be a more competitive team on a week-to-week basis with a better record under Chip Kelly than they were under Jim Mora. Just period. I mean, that you think about how many good recruiting classes UCLA had under Mora. He, he, was, he had plenty of talent there. Um, you can argue there were years that he had some of the best talent in the Pac-12 but still was unable to put any of that talent together on the field. And that's something that we've found that, um, Chip, this is going to be an unusual situation at the college level where um, when he was at New Hampshire – the reason he started running the spread is because he was trying to find a way to run the football with the guys that he had because he had inferior talent in New Hampshire. Oh, well, Lo and behold, they found a new way to use the talent that he had. He came to Oregon. Oregon only, you know, they averaged three- and four-star recruits. They didn't get five-star recruits like the Alabamas and the Auburns and the Georgias and the Floridas and the USCs. He, he still dominated a conference with, you know, probably a majority of three-star guys um, on the roster. You know, 25 rank. You know, you're looking about recruiting classes that were 15 to 25 fifth in the nation whereas you're going to go down to UCL and you're going to be able to get top five recruiting classes down there. And you think about what that's going to do to Chip Kelly's game. I'm scared. I'm scared as a Duck fan. We got
1: a couple texts here on the Bridgeport Beers text line. Uh, You can interact with us as well, 55305. Chip Kelly is going to do the Pete Carroll in L.A. He's going to come back to, to dominate college football, win and roll out a few years later, going back to the league, unfinished business, and probably stay in the region as the Chargers coach in L.A. Um, easy money for Chip Hill. Chip here win the Pac-12. That's coming from Jay Money. Uh, he very well could. This could be a springboard for him back to the NFL. You know, what you never know. I, I think, I think there's some truth to some of that because I think the knowing, not knowing, but um, well, yeah, I'll say that. You know, knowing the type of person that Chip Kelly is, the, what I think we've all kind of found out over the past couple of years, he's incredibly competitive, and so I don't think he wants to go out on a whimper, you know, and that's kind of, that was kind of his last couple of years in the NFL is just a, a kind of fighting to stay relevant, fighting for relevancy in uh, Philadelphia. And then he got to um, San Francisco and it was just a mess and it wasn't a great working in, in environment and everything. So kind of went out with a, a, a big whimper. And I think Chip Kelly is one of those guys that I don't almost like Pete Carroll, like you're not, I'm not going to be known as the loser. I'm going to get back there and I'm going to try to try to win. So,
2: it's very possible. I, I one, I love the way you connected the dots. That's what I do, you know, like how I connect the dots for Chip Kelly or for, you know, um, for Jay Cutler going to Miami. Those are like the exact dots that I like. Okay, came came down south, down there. We have a franchise over here in the NFL that has struggled. They have offensive pieces, but they're not consistently off like a threat offensively. Good defense. Chip wouldn't have to worry about that. I love the dots there. It makes a lot of sense, especially considering I don't think Anthony Lynn's more than three or four years there in L.A. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's a perfect combination there. And I do agree with the fact that Chip does have unfinished business. I think you're going to find with a guy like him, he's thinking about the two seasons that he had. 20 combined wins, not the two seasons that he got ran out of Philly and out of San Francisco. Um, and he – I i guarantee you Chip's in the back of his mind knows he has the stuff to work at the NFL level. Um, and like I was telling you, I think he went through a, a large maturation process and a large reality check that first trip around the NFL. And uh, I like those dots. Oh, I like if, those dots a lot. If they
1: connect, man, it could be scary for the rest of the Pac-12 and then maybe even uh, – the AFC or the, the AFC West. West as know, a Bronco so we'll fan,
2: I don't like that. As a duck fan, I don't like this. Like, yeah. like, hey, take those dots back, please. That's yeah. all. <laughs> <I don't
1: laughs> take think the dots do back. Well, coming up next, uh, we got West Coast bias, man. Seahawks. What the hell is happening? Is the season over for them, or should we even be panicking? We'll talk about that next, right here on Football Sunday on the fan.
0: It's time for some West Coast flavor. Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I'm in the air my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan.
1: 1017, back on The Fan. This is West Coast bias. If you heard the big voice, uh, it's time for us to talk about stuff here on the on the West Coast, man. Uh, we we've been switching it up and we've been doing some AFC West because West is in the title and everything. But really want to stay true to the roots that we have here and basically talk, you know, as much as we can about the Seahawks and um, now the Rams and all these teams that are right here on the West Coast. So today we will be focusing on. Can I say your Seattle Seahawks? Like, I guess, like, it, I mean, we, I get a lot of a lot of hate when I talk bad about the Seahawks. So I, I'm assuming I'm saying your Seattle Seahawks, even though they're not like, I think uh, ours here in Portland. Like, I
2: think you have a lot of Seahawk fans in yeah, Portland. and and for those
1: everybody, all of you can't see Jesse just used uh, the air quotes, and I feel the same way. I don't remember a lot of these. And I'm now, I'm using air quotes, Seahawks fans when I was, I grew up here for the most part. I've lived in Portland for most of my life. Not all of it, but most of it. And I'll be honest, I don't remember seeing many Seahawks hats and sweatshirts. I saw a lot of Dallas Cowboys, saw a lot of um, 49ers, a lot of Broncos, lots of Raiders. Never a whole lot of Seattle Seahawks. But- to each his own, you know. Your team is good, so I guess you got a lot of fans right now. right so that's a good thing.
2: I would have said like ten years ago, you you know, you're you were looking at uh, Seahawks being like sixth in line as far as pecking order of fandom around here, uh, and now all of a sudden it's your Seahawks. I, I agree. I don't I don't remember seeing Seahawk gear. I actually, I believe you kind of got made fun of if you wore Seahawk gear growing up around here. Um, it was not a prideful thing to wear the Hawk uh, gear as yeah. uh, there was no the 12s <laughs> when we were growing
1: up. So um, the Seahawks are in uh, a very interesting posi- uh, predicament right now. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, they lost their best cornerback, and what most people consider, what a lot of people consider, not most, what a lot of people consider um, a top three, top four corner, at one point was considered the top corner in the NFL in Richard Sherman. Fast forward one week, and then you lose your hard-hitting leader of your defense. Um, and make no mistake about it, he is the leader of the defense. And in I, my opinion, he's the best strong safety the NFL has had since Ed Reed. And that is Cam Chancellor. Um, and also, you, I guess you can throw throw Troy Palomalo in there. There was a seven, eight-year stretch where Palomalo was just unbelievable. And so I, I think Cam Chancellor is the only other safety that I might be able to throw into that mix right now. But this is a problem, at least in my eyes, because the Seahawks are built on this legion of boom. Um, now, you still have uh, some key pieces that are still on your roster. And so that should at least it's still on your defense. So that part isn't a huge huge worry for you. But the one thing we we've been seeing from the Seahawks over the past couple of weeks, really past couple of seasons is nobody's afraid of them anymore. There was a time that you would not pass the ball to Richard Sherman's side. And now people do it, you know, just whenever they kind of feel like it. And mind you, it's still most of the time, Richard Sherman still wins that matchup over there. But there was a – I remember the first game of the season, I want to say maybe his last season this, of the season prior, where the Seahawks started the season playing the Green Bay Packers. And Aaron Rodgers didn't target that right side of the field because he knew that Richard Sherman was over there. Now, you still have K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner, you know what I'm saying, Earl Thomas. Like, you still got, you know, your guys out there uh, that are able to make things happen. But Jeremy – uh, uh Jeremy Lane is not the answer to Richard, uh, Richard Sherman. Uh, Griffin and Justin Coleman and some of these other guys that you got playing the backup position, I don't know if they do it for you. And you're looking at a team that a rookie and Deshaun Watson went out there and put up 41 points. Like, it was easy for him. Now, mind you, the Seahawks won that game, but I think they won that game because at the end, the defense was able to make some some really good plays for them. Now you don't have the two leaders of the defense. Mind you, you still have Michael Bennett and Sheldon Richardson. You still got great key pieces. But now your secondary, who's already looking kind of suspect on certain, in certain positions, now they look real suspect because you
2: don't have two of the top five or six DBs on your team right now. Well, it it's obviously not the same defense. This is still a good defense where you got to bring your A game if you're an offense. You can't just sleepwalk through... A, a date with the Seahawks. They're they're definitely going to come. They're going to play. That front seven is still legit. Like, they still have a mean front seven, and they still have talent in the back end uh, uh, of this defense. It's, but it does worry me. One, I, I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender now. Uh, you're a Super Bowl contender uh, this season because you had an elite defense and you had Russell Wilson. But when you take into account your, your poor offensive line, your lack of a running game. And let's face it, like you're trying everything possible to kickstart that running game. You've literally started like four or five running backs this season trying to figure that that position out, and you're not getting anywhere. So, now as a Seahawk fan, I'm looking down the road and I'm going, "Oh, well, okay, now we're looking at that's that's a major injury, an Achilles injury to one of the best a top 5 corner. You're looking at a safety that's been banged up the last couple of years now and how quickly at those positions that you can trail off. You can just become lost in obscurity, uh, becoming an elite player, and then the next thing you know, like you said, that teams aren't afraid to look your way anymore because you've lost a step. And when you think about a guy in Richard Sherman – You've lost. Are you going to lose a step coming off a big time Achilles injury? I, I think you're better with a guy like Cam Chancellor. I think he has a better shot of coming back and being Cam. But I think Richard Sherman, like you, this might have been the peak of his hit. career. Absolutely. And then as a Seahawk fan, you're going, oh, I don't have an offensive line going forward. Russell Wilson keeps taking hits. We don't have a running game anymore now that Beast Mode's gone. Is the window closed? And that's what I'm starting to think as a Seahawks fan, because I've had to start thinking about that since Manning's been gone the last two years, you know, last year you're thinking, Oh, well, we still have an elite defense. Look at, look at how we won with Manning and Brock playing quarter at the quarterback position. We still got a running game. Well, our defense not quite the same as it was two years ago. We don't have a running game. We don't have an offensive line. You know, the one thing Seattle has is they do have a quarterback, and Russell Wilson is amazing. He's going to be a top-five quarterback for years to come. But there's a lot of worry and trepidation there. Do you, like, I. you think about a guy like Drew Brees, where he won his one championship, and he's had a really good offense and nothing since no support. And Mm -hmm. this is the first time you've seen since he won a Super Bowl the support of a defense, the support of a running game, and where Drew Brees doesn't have to carry that team week to week to week to week. And now you're saying, oh, well, this team looks like a top, top-tier top defense or a top-tier team in the NFL. This is an important offseason for the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Absolutely. And yeah, they, they really got to shore up that offensive line. Uh, Russell Wilson um, quietly, um, so far having one of his best seasons in football, um, mind you, his his QBR is a little bit down, but that's not not saying much. QBR is at a at a terrible 96, <laughs> 96%. So, I mean, he's out there doing great things. And I think everybody knows I'm not a huge, huge fan of Russell Wilson, but that man is doing work this year with a lack of an offensive line. He's thrown 21 touchdowns. He threw 21 touchdowns all of last season, and already we're in week uh, 11, 12? Uh, we're in week 12 we're, now, yeah. we're in week 12, so he's got – Another four games, four or five games, to, to really prove that, um, man, he is elite. I think there's always this pushback on Russell Wilson. Is he elite? Is he not? Yes, he is. But these next few games is really going to be what proves it. Now, luckily for them, they've got kind of a warm-up game to see what this defense looked like without a Cam Chancellor, without a Richard Sherman. Um, but then after that, they have this – Great defense in the, the the Jaguars that's coming up, and then after the Jaguars they got to play against this okay defense in the Rams that they 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 escaped one last time they played the Rams and I don't know if I think this Rams team is much better than the one they played back in week four or week uh week five so I'll, that's another tough one for them and then they'll play the Cowboys on on the road. The Seahawks don't really have a huge issue on the road, but I think that they should win that game and everything. But I'm thinking these next couple ones the Jaguars, the Rams, those are going to really test that offense and see if they're going to be able to muster up some, some additional points and try to figure out some type of run game.
2: I, I It's you're looking at a big possibility that this is going to be a wild card team going into the playoffs. And the difference of having the 12s and not having the 12s is a big deal for this team. Um, you know, the, I think the one thing you could say, they have an X factor, Russell Wilson, um, every year has taken a step forward. Absolutely. And he's never had a bad season. He's never had a bad season. And this is the one thing, like, part of what you can attribute, like, the greatness of a guy like Tom Brady, right, is you go, how many years has he had, like, true weapons? Like, when you think about it, like... Um, Randy Moss, Gronkowski, that's that, it. That's it. Those are, like, the true weapons. You turned a now quarterback into a slot receiver and turned him in, like... Uh, I you've never had great receivers in New England yet that is what Tom Brady is, and I liken that to Seattle. Like everybody wants to like vault Baldwin up. I think I mean, and Grant Baldwin he's not a bad receiver. I think he's a good receiver. He's a fine receiver, but in the in the long run, this guy's not a number one. Mm-hmm. He's a slot receiver. Yeah, we got a couple – yeah, that's incredibly true, and Brady's making him look
1: like all world. We got a couple texts here on the Bridgeport Beers text line before we get out of here. Um, Earl Thomas is the best player in the secondary. Cam is the enforcement, but got a lot of – got beat a lot in coverage by tight ends. Uh, Sherman hurts, can't cover up the other side of the field. Now that's coming from Jay Money. Uh, We have another one from Mommy Chris in Portland. I think the reason the Seahawks are more visible these days in Portland is because they're good. People don't uh, go crazy for crappy teams. Um, that's always like that. That always lose. Um, remember, three fourths of the arena being empty for Blazer games a few years back. That comes from Chris in Portland. Um, I do remember that, and it's much easier to, to root for a better team. But I remember a Seattle team that had Ricky Waters, who's one of the best players in TechMobile and I used to run with that Seattle team uh, quite often. Uh, it's a quarterback league. As long as you have one, you have a chance. That is absolutely true. That is from Jay Money. And as long as the Seahawks still have a Russell Wilson, they have a fighting chance. Uh, I just think if Russell Wilson were able to play defense, the Seahawks would probably be better off for it as well because no, that it's a, kid just, he can, he can just do everything
2: so. you start seeing that attrition of you had to pay russell wilson you know and when russell wilson was being paid under a million dollars a season because he was a third round pick this team had more depth and you've had to give up that depth and you're sacrificing you sacrificed it on the offensive line and now if you don't have your your starters healthy it's it's a sacrifice in your defense so i it is what it is. This is still a great team. It and and it, it should be a good team for years to come, especially when you have a guy like Russell Wilson. But uh, uh, definitely a little bit of trepidation if I'm a, a Seahawk fan.
1: Well, today the Seahawks have the 1 o'clock game. Um, they'll play at San Francisco. So we'll see if they can keep – kind of get their winning ways back on track. All right, coming up next is a special tailor-made edition of It or Love It. But first, Jesse has Sports Center.
0: Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad
1: on 1080 The Fan. 1036, right here. Football Sunday on The Fan. If you've listened to the show, then you know what this beat means. It's time for Hater to Love It. There's no Lynch here, so that means the W automatically goes to me, and I will be accepting it graciously. Thank you so much, Jesse. Please get us started.
2: I, I already threw the uh, Winter Music and uh, Very good. Yeah. Yeah, we, you knew I was giving you that W. I appreciate it cuz I need it, man. Lynch won't take it, but
1: I know you will. Lynch is Lynch is, you know, a, a better better person than I am. You know, he's not as petty. Me on the other hand,
2: I want my W. Hey dude, you're a winner. You
1: know what? That's, that's what I yeah, that's yeah. what winners do. We winner. win.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You win no matter what. That's, no matter it. what the cost and at this it's the cost is free. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> um All right. Well, we've talked about the Ducks a little bit. We've talked about Willie Taggart a little bit. Um, uh, And we kind of talked about how, you know, just changed it around from last season. Obviously, this is a a much better outlook. Uh, Granted, the the middle of this season was rough, but, you know, a seven-win season, um, we'll take it. And with that said, love or hate? Oh, Zay Jones. What did I say? Zay Jones was going to get in the end zone. He just got in the end zone. Um, (laughs) Love or hate, Willie Taggart and his current number one recruiting class in the nation will have the Ducks back in the Northern Division title conversation next season. Love.
1: Love um really the ducks look like they should have been in that conversation this year if not for an injury to your quarterback um then the ducks are uh they're competitive you know there was those three games those uh, three of the four games they lost i don't think they lose that if you have your trigger man in between there you you pair um Justin Herbert's consistency and on field play with what Royce Freeman has been able to do running the ball in the backfield, and what Kenoy Benoit has been able to do, what Tony Brooks James has been able to do, and then some of the emergence of some of these new, younger um, receivers that you have on this team I think the Ducks could have been right there so now fast forward one year you just you're boasting the number one recruiting class in all of college football that means you're getting great linemen that means you're getting great de- uh, defenders that means you're getting awesome skill position players that all of a sudden is going to take Oregon from the middle of the pack to the top of the pack they've always had to recruit from California and hope for the best hope that you get those fast kids that they don't go to USC and UCLA and now all of a sudden Those you're getting kids from Florida, from Alabama, from from Mississippi, like that's going to be really the trump card here in the West Coast. Because outside of USC, I don't know how many of those other schools are really pulling in those kids from Florida and from uh, some of those
2: rural states. Gotta say, I I, kind of agree with you. I mean, it. The way they looked last night, granted, it was against the Oregon State Beavers, but they did what they should do against the Oregon State Beavers, and they rolled. We we got a text here on the text line before
1: we keep going. Uh, Taggart's class is rated high due to quantity, not quality. I think that's I think that's. Deep. I mean, I'd much rather have you know. What I'm saying four you know, uh, or maybe nine, four star kids, then like three, five star kids. And that means I've got a lot of depth and that's the one thing the ducks are always used to having is a lot of depth. And so I think that's a great thing. So I'll definitely take the, in this, in this instance, I'll take the quantity
2: over the quality. Well Let's put this in a fantasy terms. Like, what are you looking for when you're looking for a running back, a guy that gets opportunities, right? A guy that gets a lot of touches, you know? And, and so When you think about it, recruiting is kind of the same way. You're like, I think this guy's got a lot of talent, and he's a five-star guy, but I don't know. There's plenty of five-star guys that just wash out, that don't pan out to their rankings. When you give yourself twice as much with a slightly less star ranking. so instead of five star guys you're getting four star guys but like you said you're getting nine or ten of those guys instead of three or four you have a much better opportunity that, of getting guys that yeah. make a big difference and
1: it's not so it's not so odd to see Washington get five star kids and and four star kids all the time but Oregon's been really able to do what they've been able to do since Chip Kelly was there off of three star kids you know what I'm saying a lot of those guys, those guys that didn't get the big uh, Alabama USC you know um Uh, opportunities those are the ones that end up coming to oregon so now you're getting those four-star kids which is only going to bring more four and five-star kids so i think that's a good thing
2: yeah yeah i i I have no problem with with quantity that i mean it's still the number one ranked recruiting class for a reason that quantity is a good quantity it's not like a quantity of two and three star guys it's four five star guys so i'll take the quantity over that moving on nfl uh the, the dallas cowboys how good do they look They look awesome. Dude, they are so good. This is so fun to watch if you're not a Dallas fan.
1: (laughs) It's not fun to watch if you're a football fan. Oh,
2: man, they're bad. So, uh, coincidentally, this happening at the same time, you lose your number one running back to a six-week suspension. Um, You did lose a left tackle as well. So, people like to point the fingers towards you lost your running back. You lost your left tackle for a game. I believe he was back on Thursday. Um, but still didn't look any better. Love or hate? It's not that you're missing Ezekiel Elliott. It's that you have Jason Garrett as your head coach. Love what now? Love that the problem is not Ezekiel Elliott, but Jason Garrett. Uh, uh, I I mean,
1: I love it. I, I think, um, oh, jeez. Jason Garrett has done a really good job of building an off building an offensive line. Number one, um, that's not even arguably, but is the very best unit in football. Especially when they have a running back that's good behind them. Um, we've seen what that line has been able to do with guys like Corey Joseph and guys like um, was it was Mark not Mark Ingram? Who's the who's the other Melvin? Uh, no, huh? There was there was one other one. Um, I forget the other running back. It's, either way, it's a bunch of interchangeable. Dallas Cowboy running backs. Marco Murray, Rod Smith, you know what I'm saying? Just a bunch of guys. Alfred Morris. uh, Alfred Morris, you know, just a bunch of guys to be able to to move the ball and it's been working. Uh, I think Jason Garrett's big thing is he hasn't been able to really make a lot of. Adjustments where he needs to. Um, he's really dependent on guys like Dak Prescott and uh, Ezekiel Elliott to really bail them out of tough situations. And even a guy like Des Bryant, who hasn't been the same Des Bryant over the past couple of years, really since Dak has been uh, the quarterback. I think they're figuring, they're trying to have a having a really tough time trying to figure out where he belongs in this offense. I think the rest of the NFL knows that Des Bryant is a weapon all to all to himself. But for whatever reason, the Dallas Cowboys can't figure out how to get them the ball and get it to them consistently. Like, you have a horse like that, man, you ride them. You ride them till you don't have much left. So um, I think a lot of this is, is on coaching. It's not a talent thing because we know that the Cowboys have talent. I think at this point it's just coaching and knowing the X's, X's and O's. And I don't know if Jason Garrett is a great motivator of men.
2: Yeah, I, I just – It's been this weird roller coaster with me and Jason Garrett. It's like sometimes I think he's a really good coach. Last year, you know, he finally learned. Like, the the year with DeMarco Murray, run the ball, run the ball. So the last three years, they've just ran and ran and ran and ran and ran and ran ran the ball. Um, I feel like they're not giving, like, a guy like Alfred Morris enough run. Like, you really, especially when you you lose um, – A guy like zeke you just you need to give the guy behind him even more run like you just need to get that run game going because uh, i think we've learned from the short sample size Dak prescott hasn't been along around for very long he's a lot better when he's got a running game he's a lot better when he has a running game so i agree i i I think it's the coach um we'll do one more lover uh moving on uh currently we've we've got a few names out there for the nfl mvp race uh you know, you got the likely candidates, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, um, some even throwing Antonio Brown in there, although I I don't think you can give it to a wide receiver. Uh, but the interesting name is second-year quarterback Carson Wentz. Love or hate? Carson Wentz, if you were to give out the NFL MVP today, would be the NFL MVP?
1: Uh, Jeez, uh, that's a great question. Um, I... I love it. I mean, I and mind you, Tom Brady has played some phenomenal football, especially since the first few weeks of the season. But, you know, here's a kid that's beaten Washington on the road, beat uh, beat the Chargers on the road, which isn't saying much. Uh, but, you know, he went into Cowboy Stadium and beat them by a lot, beat the Broncos by a lot, beat the 49ers by a lot. Like, they're beating people. They're not just beating them. They're hammering folks when they're out there playing them. And a lot of that has to do um, with Carson Wentz and, and the job that he's done as the trigger man for, uh, for the Eagles, so far the season, Wentz has 25 touchdowns and only, um, shoot, what is it? Only one interception on the season. Like, are you serious right now? Oh, excuse me. Wait, 30, 30, 30. No, no, wait. 29. I'm sorry. I'm looking for the right stats. I don't want to start lying. Uh, he has 25 touchdowns and five interceptions. Forgive me. He's only got one interception. Or he had one interception last week. But I mean, or it's this kid, man has been every bit of the leader and as an exciting player as you'd want to see. He was the number two overall pick. I think a lot of us kind of forget that. And last year, we remember how Philadelphia started the season. They started the season great. Uh, They just ended poorly. And now Carson Wentz looks like he has a a real control over what they're able to do. So I absolutely love the second-year guy taking the MVP.
2: The only thing I would say is in Brady's favor over a guy like Wentz is Wentz has had a strong running game, strong, strong, strong running game all season long. In fact, I think they have the most rush attempts on the season, which I think we've proven. It is great for quarterbacks, Um, whereas Tom Brady basically manufactures the running game by passing to his running back. Yeah, their running
1: game is their passing game. So, yeah, so I I could totally see that. I wouldn't be mad at either one of them. But if Carson Wentz walked away with the MVP trophy, I would have no problem. Okay, Uh, I guess that means I won. Um, so coming up next, uh,
0: sports right now, hey Football Sunday. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The
1: Fan. Man, this music sounds good. I haven't heard it in a while, mainly because we've been 8 to 9.30, which is just awesome. You know, would love doing that. You know, eight to nine thirty shows. Yeah, getting up early. It's just, just the worst. Just the, I mean, the best. Not the worst. I mean, the best. So, a uh, uh, point of information: we just saw something kind of crazy. Um, apparently, through his career, Mohamed Sanu is a perfect six for six throwing the ball, three hundred and thirty-six yards.
2: Yeah, it's two thirty-six. Two
1: hundred thirty-six yards. Yeah. Excuse me. No problem. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. He has a perfect passer rating.
2: 158.3, in case you didn't know what a perfect pass rating is. It's 158.3.
1: So, Muhammad Sanu is better than Alex Smith today. I think that's the thing that we're finding out. Uh, if any of you are hard-pressed to find a quarterback. I wonder, wait, does Muhammad Sanu get points for throwing that yeah. touchdown? Yeah. Yeah,
2: that's dope. Yeah, no, no. Muhammad Sanu just got six. I, I That was like a, That was easily at least a seven-point play just for throwing that ball.
1: That's super dope. So, right? Muhammad Sanu is an incredible weapon, and it looks like the Bengals are getting a, tut- uh, a punt return.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Is that Pac Man Jones? Is, is that, that- Pac Man? I think that was Pac Man Jones, eating. man. I didn't know. He was still alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah he's still playing over there. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. You know, he- oh, yeah. No, whenever I take it back. That was not Pac Man. That wasn't Pac Man. Kirkpatrick, it looks like. Okay. Oh, no. You don't want to lose Colquitt. I, I guess not. We're can't, giving you a play-by-play here, by he's, the way. He's
1: a player that you definitely can't use as Colquitt. Uh, We're probably giving play-by-play because I'll be honest. Uh, I don't know if I came up with the last segment. You know, right now, uh, there's a whole lot going on in the NFL. Um, the Eagles are—they've got seven right now. Um, they took the—they—they they took a dope little. I'm okay. I'll say this. This is what we'll talk about. I'm a big fan of the celebrations. Some of them are super corny, and um, I'm not with. Uh, a lot of, like, four-minute um, celebrations to just you. But I'm a big fan of the team celebration. The Philadelphia Eagles just took a, a team picture in the end zone, uh, w- which was super tight with some offensive linemen and the quarterback and everything. It was super cool. You're going to see that on a lot of Christmas cards uh, this year, especially if you're a Philly fan. But I, I like stuff like that. Like, um, Julio Jones just scored only his second. That's right. Only his second touchdown of the season so far and the group had a nice group celebration you know based on that i thought that was kind of super cool man i'm a big fan of all these new celebrations and you know uh, seeing the kind of the creativity behind some of them is kind of cool now some of I, them are super corny yeah but for the most part most of them have been kind of cool
2: i love the how players used to be celebrating it was like a a personal thing i scored the touchdown and now it's like, no, we scored the touchdown as a team. And so the linemen come over, the other receivers come over. Like, if you're scoring the touchdown, everybody did their job correctly and everybody should be involved in that. That's and absolutely. that's what's going on now. I, and, I, and, um,
1: I, and, I, and I dig that. And I, I want to see some linemen celebrate. That's what I want to see. We don't see enough fat guy celebrations. And I think the linemen do their job so damn well. Damn it, let them, man, let them do a, a, a Charleston or something like that. I'd love to see. You know, a couple of fat guys do like the kid and play, or something like that. Right. I think that would be super tight.
2: Yeah. No. I mean, granted there there have been some really fun, like personal, um, celebrations in the past. I mean, mostly from guys like T.O. T.O. is the one guy that comes T. O's, up.
1: T.O. is the god. Yeah. You know, when it comes to touchdown celebrations, it got no better than than T.O.
2: Honestly, I feel like. Like Antonio or some of these guys should be calling up To on a weekly basis. What would you do this week? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, once again, I've said it on this show before. Popcorn to the face. There, that's iconic. There's nothing better than I don't going know to when he when he, the, when he took the
1: when he took the pom poms and went and danced with the cheerleaders. I thought that was like, hey man, like you're dope for that. You know, the, the, taking the pin out and Just and the uh, sharpie uh, out, you know, the, yep. the sharpie the. And I, I loved it, uh, the going to stand on the Dallas Star after he after he made that touchdown. So he ran all the way back to the 50-yard line just to stand in the Dallas Star. I thought that was awesome. And then he scored twice, so we almost did it again until somebody knocked him out. So I thought that was super dope. But, yeah, T.O. is clearly the celebration guy.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah no, he's you... the epitome. We'll never see anything like that again. But – You know, we're seeing something different now. We're seeing an evolution in celebration, which is probably more the way it should be going, like I said, with the the teams and getting everybody involved. Um, You don't want that couple
1: seconds to say, look what I did, though? I would take it. Is that Burkhead scoring again? No. (laughs) Just as I was getting ready to put him in my lineup, I got locked out. Uh, Was that the... Was that the last question you asked me? It was. (laughs) Oh, no. It was. And so far, he's got a touchdown. looks like he's on the verge of a second. So, yeah. Smooth move, x Locks. Well, that bittersweet music means it's about time to wrap up. Man, no Lynch today, but it's all good. He'll be back next week. So, please get at him on Twitter, at MikeLynch27 at TaylorMade503, at Jesse Osmond. We're always down to interact with you. Uh, Thank thank you for all the people that interacted with us on the text line, the Bridgeport Beers text line, 55305. Burkett did score again. Dang it. You guys have a good one. Enjoy your week. We will see y'all next week. Peace.